What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We're three guys that may say soccer on accident, but we mean no offense to our non-US listeners, we promise. I'm Matt Johnson, and I just really want to grab a beer at May's Bar. I'm Keith Baker, and I need some advice from the Diamond Dogs. And I'm Austin Terry, and I feel I deserve some biscuits with the boss treatment on this very podcast. I couldn't disagree more. You're getting nothing. On today's show, we are covering the third and supposed final season of the Apple TV Plus hit with Ted Lasso. The first two seasons received universal critical acclaim, while this season has been the first to have some mixed reviews sprinkled in there. That mentality seemed to maintain all the way through to the finale, so I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. But before we get to that, Austin and Keith, it's high time that I asked you, are you guys ready to head to the UK and potentially make a new life there together? The only thing I can think of when this question gets posed is I'm just so curious to see Keith as an international traveler because our sweet friend (laughs) on this podcast, Keith, has never left the country. And I just I want to see him when he's in that environment. I feel like it would be fun. I feel like I'd be okay. I could see you after a a few days ending up in like an American themed bar like Ted does in this season, just in (laughs) craving an American burger or something like that. (laughs) I hope not not after a few days. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be bad. (laughs) I remember when I did study abroad before my senior year of college, <laughs> the first place that we landed based on like the way, like uh, when we all took off and like we like landed in London at eight in the morning. None of us slept on the planes. We've, we've been awake for like 48 hours. <laughs> Basically, we get to our uh, our lodging and the first place we go once like our teachers let us go is we went to this place <laughs> called Honest Burger, which was just across the street. So we kind of like started basically how Keith might end up like months <laughs> in. We were like, we're in London. This is great. We're here for a long time. <laughs> Let's get a burger and then fall asleep right after. <laughs> when I studied abroad, I did end up at an American themed karaoke bar in Florence. Uh, I believe it was called Yankee Doodle, and it was the trashiest experience of my life. Well, a place called Yankee Doodle. I mean, that sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really bad. <laughs> I, was I did sing Piano Man, uh, much to my friend Keith's dismay, Whoa. but uh, had some fun. Wow. Yeah, Keith hates that song. I can kind of picture <laughs> Keith like as a tourist. I picture him like wearing a really big backpack and like a baseball cap just like kind of holding the straps close to his chest and like looking at all the sights like wow is that the london bridge <laughs> i basically just picture him as like a five-year-old child <laughs> do, do you think keith is a backpack on the front kind of guy or a backpack on the back kind of guy i think he has the backpack on the back and he has a fanny pack on the front <laughs> oh that's a good call he's got the valuables in the fanny pack exactly that's that's the tourist move right there <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get mugged. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, let's leave our, you know, supposed future UK slash London fantasy behind. I know we're excited about it, but we have some pressing issues to talk about here. Austin and Keith, I know you guys love seasons one and two of Ted Lasso as much as I do, but I don't think we've actually talked too much about season three. So now that it's over, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. So go ahead. Let loose. Let everyone know your non-spoiler thoughts on Ted Lasso season three. Yeah, I can't remember a show that had me so hyped for another season to come back. Um, I'm a huge fan of season one and season two of Ted Lasso, as is, I think, the general public. Um, I know for many people, this is the only reason they have Apple TV, which we've talked about at length how much great content they have. But Ted Lasso is like their premiere show. And I, I guess I'm in the minority just based on the way this season was received. But I thoroughly enjoyed season three. Um, I think it is fantastic. I think they gave it a fitting ending. I think they kept up the humor and kind of the feel-good nature that we come to for the show. But then they also still kept some of those more serious topics like mental health at the forefront. I think the main issue I have with this season is 
The side character stuff did get a bit baffling uh, with some of the stuff they had, like characters like Keely and Rebecca doing this season. That stuff didn't stay as interesting as it had been in the past seasons. But everything that was the core team and Ted Lasso dynamic, I thought was just as good as it's always been with this season. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, high recommendation from me for this entire show. Yeah, I think I'm standing right there with you, Austin. Especially your thoughts on the last season. I guess, I don't know... Maybe you said it right, Austin. You said you're in the minority, but from what I've heard of season three, I'm kind of I've kind of heard half and half from my friends and family that that have watched Ted Lasso. Like some of them are like, I don't know, season three is kind of like different. And then I talk to other people like, oh, dude, season three is just as good. It's like it's the same. Like I'm kind of with them. Like yeah, to me it just feels the exact same. Different is the word I hear a lot, and I've just never understood that. I feel like it's the exact same show it's always been. Yeah, to me it flowed right in to itself with season three. Um, and, but I'm kind of with you though. I guess some, there were some side stories that did get kind of like lost and some, there was some stuff I was like, all right, we can move on from this. I don't really don't, <laughs> really don't care what's going on here, but you know, not nothing major where I was like, oh, this is the season sucking. Like <laughs> I had some people that I know that were like, oh, this season's kind of the weaker of the, of the three. And I was like, really? Like to me, it's all the same. It's all the same humor, same drama, same story. So overall, I've loved this show and uh, definitely like the way it wrapped up with this last season. Yeah, for me, the show is definitely different this season, but it certainly wasn't a bad change of pace for me. I think the main difference is just that this one puts Ted into more of the ensemble, but I kind of feel like he was always part of the ensemble in seasons one and two. Of course, he is the titular character, but this huge, massive ensemble of characters and actors and all these people were still a huge part of the show. It's just this season gave them like a bit more of an individual focus. But all the characters that they did that for have been there since season one, and I love them then. I love them more now. So I enjoyed kind of the deep dive into some of these people. Now, not not all of it is like pitch perfect or anything, but it still worked for me quite a bit. So even though I guess maybe minority is not the right word, it's just that this season definitively was received not anywhere near as well as the first two seasons, but it was still received well. It was just not as good. Um, but I guess I'm kind of with you guys. Like, I don't know. Is this my favorite season? Probably not. I don't see much of a point in ranking them, at least for me personally, but I still loved it. And especially after the finale aired, I heard a lot of people were like, man, looking at how Ted Lasso started and this is how it ended. I think even people that like season three, I saw a lot of them were disappointed in the finale. I'd actually just watched it before we started here. Uh, for whatever reason, I put it off and I was like, this is great. Do I love every aspect of it? No, but I still think this is a, a damn good finale. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a weird thing. It sounds like there are a lot of people out there that maybe don't love this season nearly as much as the other two, but it sounds like the three of us are pretty high on it. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, you know, watching it week to week and then waiting a little bit watching the finale. I had a great time. Talking about the finale specifically, the way I typically like to judge finales for shows is does everything make sense for the characters? And where they end with Ted Lasso, I just think fits his character so much. I'll leave it at that to avoid going into other spoilers. The other thing I guess that's worth mentioning here is I do think season three does have a bit more of a focus on the actual sport of football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, if you're European or American. Um, there is definitely more of a focus on them making a challenge in the Premier League and trying to be a good team. And I've, I've seen that kind of as a critique that this show has never really been about sports. But in my mind, I think it also just goes back to making sense for these characters because they are all professional athletes so it makes sense that they would want to win and would want to be competitive in this top tier english league so all of that i think just a lot of the stuff they invested time into the season i think just made sense for the characters 
Yeah. I'm, like you said, it, it didn't really focus. I guess, so, like you said, soccer or football wasn't the forefront of the story. It was always about the drama and the comedy and like the personal lives behind the characters. Um, but I do, I do like that. It, they brought more of the league and, and like the, uh, the hierarchy of, I guess, them progressing through the ranks and, and, and getting better as a team because I think that's kind of what they're trying to build towards, but it, it wants to show you the, the drama behind it and maybe the, uh, and I guess what every character is going through uh, to get to that, that point, because we all know like professional athletes definitely have a lot of pressure on them. I thought it was perfect that they kind of played more into the soccer aspect in this third season, even though they didn't bring it quite as into the light as, um, as, they sh- as, as some people may think they should, but I, th- I think they did it in a balanced way. Yeah, it was definitely balanced for me, and I and I liked it. I thought it was thrilling. I've, I've always been someone that isn't like super huge into sports. I guess I like what I like, but it's not a whole lot. Um, but like when a show like Friday Night Lights or you know now something like Ted Lasso can get me hooked just in the sports scenes alone, I think that's awesome. Super exciting, and a lot of that has to do with the writing. And like I'm gonna get way more involved in watching a football match in Ted Lasso when I care about these characters. So the fact that they put in all that work and then we get to the season where we're seeing more of that action is super cool. And also it kind of makes sense, you know, we'll talk about it once we get into our big conversation, but there's been kind of up and down, like who the hell knows if this is truly the final season or maybe a better way to put it is, is this the last that we see of all these characters? We're not a hundred percent sure. It, it makes sense to have more of the sports in the season, I think, regardless, because season one was about them kind of crashing and burning as a team, but then Rebecca keeps them on it by the end because she grows and like she and Ted form a connection. Season two is like, wow, we're doing pretty good. We're kind of finding our groove. And then with how that ended, it would have been weird if season three didn't address that they were doing better than they've ever been doing. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, for sure. Are they supposed to just walk in a locker room and be like, wow, guys, we won again. Or, oh man, we lost that one. Like, I think we kind of had to see it this time. So I'm glad that they actually kind of acknowledge that. And the show would kind of feel pointless if Ted Lasso's coaching methods and who he is as a person didn't have an influence on the sport he was coaching it would kind of feel dumb if he was this wacky guy and the team was horrible all the time at at some point they have to get better all right well i'm excited to talk about this it sounds like the three of us are maybe potentially a little bit higher than a lot of people are on this season so that's exciting uh we love ted lasso we love this show uh but we have a lot to get into a lot of side stories like we talked about there's a different focus this season but before we can do that we gotta drop our spoiler warning if you have not finished Ted Lasso Season 3 over on Apple TV+, Plus, make sure you go do that. Finish it up, watch that long finale, and then come on back here and listen to the rest of our episode. And don't cancel your Apple TV subscription just yet. Don't There's do it. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Lots of good stuff. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory again. Your final warning. If you have not watched Ted Lasso Season 3 or finished the finale, Go away. Come on back after you finish it. Here we go. Austin and Keith, as always, let's dive into it. Uh, Start us off with some cast and crew talk. All right. So Ted Lasso is, of course, created by Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, and Joe Kelly. This season saw episodes directed by MJ Delaney, Destiny Akaraga, Matt Lipsy, Erica Dunton, and Declan Lowney. Our score for the show is composed by Marcus Mumford and Tom Howe. And of course, based on a character that Jason Sudeikis originally portrayed for a promotional content for NBC when they earned the rights to cover England's Premier League back in 2013. All right. Going through a cast, we have Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham as Rebecca Welton, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, 
We got Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard, Nick Muhammad as Nate Shelley, Phil Dunster as Jamie Tott, and we got Jeremy Swift as Higgins, Tohi Jamo as Sam Obasanya, Christo Fernandez as Denny Rojas, Cola Bikini as Isaac McAdoo, Billy Harris as Colin Hughes, Anthony Head as Rupert Mannion, and we got James Lance as Trent Krim, and Juno Temple as Kella. Jones. Kayla. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. There's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? Yeah, I think, of course, the obvious highlight is Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso. Uh, this show just wouldn't work without the way he betrays the character. Um, but I'm actually going to give a highlight to a person we haven't named on our cast and crew for the season. Ooh. I'm going to give a highlight to Maximilian Osinksi, who played Zava this season, uh, mainly because I think this guy just had a really tough job this season. He's coming into a beloved ensemble cast as a brand new character. And his three episode run, he was my favorite character. Mm. I thought he was so funny. I loved the way he interacted with the other team. The shot I always think of in my head is when they don't pass him the ball to to shoot into the goal. And he just stands there and goes, Fozava! With a big question mark. <laughs> just all that sort of stuff I thought was so much fun. And just, I loved this whole like hippie dynamic. I thought he was great. I don't know. He just definitely did a good job of like portraying like the real life, somebody that would be like him, you know? We've definitely seen those athletes before, the guys who are, who kind of have like the the ego, but also try, try, to, yeah. try to pretend that but they don't what have I liked the about- ego. What I liked about his portrayal, too, though, was he definitely had the ego, but he yeah. never got to, like, an unlikable point. He just kind of stayed comical. So I thought it was a good portrayal. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had the ego, but he was trying to, like, tell the team, like, I'm not, I, I don't have an ego. This team is not about me. It's about you guys. But then it, then he get on the field, and it's all about him. <laughs> so he was kind of, like, kind of two-faced. <laughs> so I, I, I like that fact about him. He's just hilarious. Man, there's so many people I could shout out here. If I had to pick one, I'm just going to go ahead and shout out Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent. Um, he's one of my favorite characters. Uh, throughout the whole series, really, um, especially getting into this third season, his character definitely takes kind of a turn. I guess he's trying to like change some of his ways, and uh, but but the way Brett Goldstein plays him is just hilarious on all fronts. Like the anger, I love when he just yells when he wants to talk to somebody, like "tot," and he just <laughs> wants to go into the back room. And, whistle, yeah, whistle. whistle, The gruffness of him is just hilarious, and uh, the fact that he's trying to do better is always just kind of cool and funny and uh and the fact that he's kind of like the veteran soccer player or the veteran yeah player that's now coach and you know he's like he used to be a big star and all that yeah i just think brad goldstein plays him perfectly so uh shout out to him yeah it's one of those good situations where it's hard to pick somebody because everybody's so good um like truly everybody on the cast list and everybody behind the scenes deserves a major shout out in my opinion I mean, Keith calls out Brett Goldstein, also props to him for, you know, he's always been a writer on this show too, which is pretty cool. I guess maybe I'll switch it up a bit, because like I said earnestly, I could give anybody on this list a shout out, but I'm going to single out uh, Phil Dunster and Nick Mohammed, who play Jamie and Nate, because I think they both had a really hard job this season of trying to genuinely and sort of earnestly sell that these characters are going through an arc and they have changed and they're struggling with that. I mean, Jimmy Tart was like the dick in season one. He was awful. And in season two, he comes back and it's not easy for him to come back. They don't want him to come back. But there's even more of a change in season three. Like he's kind of truly transformed into kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. And he certainly falls back into his old ways. There's a really bad moment in the finale where you're like, oh, no, I guess he's kind of going back. But then because he's made these connections, he kind of comes out of it and it, it, it all works out. 
And same for uh, Nick Muhammad as Nate. I've always loved him on this show. I've seen a lot of criticism out there for people calling out his storyline as not being believable. I couldn't disagree more. I think it's very believable of how he goes through like kind of a villain arc, so to speak. But he was never a villain. He just made like a mistake. And other people made mistakes, too. I think you could blame Ted a little bit for how that happened. But he made like a villainous choice, but he was never a villain. So once the season starts, you can tell oh, his heart's not in this. Like, he can't, like, he can't do this. He can't be the bad guy. He can't be Rupert. He doesn't really want to be. And watching him kind of, like, you know, make a connection with somebody that he really likes, kind of reconnect with his family, and then find his way back to Richmond, I thought was awesome. And I thought he, you know, performed the hell out of it like he always does. So I think both of them deserve a special shout out for kind of really selling the change in their characters. Yeah, I agree. The arc for both those characters is great. And I I like how you call that. He just made a mistake. It's fun to see a character like Nate be put into a villainous role who was never supposed to be a villain. I found that really interesting this season. And with Jamie, I it just he just got funnier as the show went on too, yeah. which I really enjoyed. Um, I the scene the scene that stands out for me from this season is when he's giving the interview about the goal he accidentally scored, and he said, "I apologize <laughs> to all the kids out there." Yeah, <laughs> that'd be cracking up. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right, well, you know what the three of us thought of Ted Lasso season three. Here's where things get interesting. What does everybody else have to say? What are the critics saying out there? So. Like I mentioned at the top, Ted Lasso received universal critical acclaim until its third season. Season one got a 92% and season two got a 98% respectively over on Rotten Tomatoes. Season three is currently sitting at a 79%. The site's critical consensus is Ted Lasso's third and possibly final season takes time to find its footing, but patient viewers who believe will find that they appreciate Coach as much as ever. The reviews seemed to get more mixed as the season went on, with criticism going toward the extended episode runtimes, pacing, and characterization. However, praise still, of course, went toward the ensemble cast, the humor, and the themes that were introduced this time around. Sounds like the critics really thought Ted Lasso's season three missed a penalty kick. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe they thought they were offsides. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't know any soccer terminology. I know. This is hard. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We got to move on. I don't know. <laughs> really drop the ball on that one. <laughs> Some could say they didn't stay on the pitch for the season. Oh, interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Let's find out why. Why do we think that? Let's go ahead and discuss it. Let's dive into more detail right now and get into our in-depth freeform discussion. We all just pulled up a duck. We added a bunch of points on there that we wanted to specifically spend time and talk about with this season. So let's do it, guys. I'll open us up. Uh, it was very generally, is there like something big that we haven't talked about yet that you think would be a good way to kind of start and inform this conversation? Yeah, I think the biggest critique I keep seeing out there is that there's a very slow start to the season. So that's kind of where I want to start today is, do you guys agree with that? Did it take you a while to get invested in season three of Ted Lasso? I don't know. I think some of the highs of the season were in the beginning. Now, like I said, I'm in the minority that I loved a lot of the side stories that we got in the middle of the season. It sounds like a lot of people felt that that maybe drug it down a bit. But the beginning, I thought, really kind of highlighted why we like Ted as a character. You know, he's a really happy-go-lucky guy, but when he feels, he feels hard. And, like, all this stuff with his son and his ex-wife and kind of missing home and but still, like, loving where he's at, like, it, it hits hard. Like, it, it's, it's like, powerful, but it's sad at the same time. So, I don't know. Like, it, it got off to a really good start for me, and it also got off to a really realistic start based on how we ended season two with, like, for the first time, Ted not only is feeling guilty about not being home, but... I mean, one of the best scenes of the entire series is him confronting Nate at the end of season two, and he is not the normal Ted we see. He's kind of pushing back on some of the stuff that Nate is saying about like why he's mad at him. 
Uh, so I think he's also at this point feeling really just not bad, but just fucked up over how the whole Nate situation went down. Yeah, I think especially where season two ended with that cliffhanger of Nate taking over West Ham United, that dueling story of Nate running the team in season three and then also seeing where AFC Richmond is, is at, um, that I mean, that hooked me right away. I was so fascinated by that because... At the beginning of the season, Nate is still kind of carrying over that fake dickish personality yeah. into coaching this team. So that was really cool to see play up against the way Ted coaches this team, where Nate is having people stand in like, I think he calls it like the stupid spot on the on the field. And Ted is taking his team on a field trip into the sewers of London, like just polar opposite coaching styles, which I thought was really fun and interesting. The pacing for this show in all three seasons has been exactly the same. I don't think anything slow down for me at all if anything it, it kind of sped up because i think at the end of season two with such the gap we had between season two to season three i was like anticipating season three so much with the cliffhanger we kind of had with nate uh becoming the coach of uh west ham you know uh becoming like we kind of talked about earlier like the semi-villain that he does become for a little bit so yeah i was definitely like hooked right away like oh my god what's like what's going on with nate I think he thinks that he has to be a dick in order to be kind of like... He's trying to be what he thinks Rupert wants him to be. Yeah, he's like, okay, Rupert probably wants me to be like this authority figure type guy. I gotta, I have to be a dick to these guys to show that, that I'm boss. So yeah, I thought that was a perfect, perfect beginning into this new season. Yeah, and also like looking back, kind of a, pulling up a Wikipedia here, we also have some really kind of untraditional, but crazy and exciting and sad and... All of the things type moments in the beginning here. We also like pretty immediately follow up the se- another season two cliffhanger where, you know, Keely and Roy are deciding to break up like officially having to tell Roy's uh, niece, who is always fun to see pop up. She makes me laugh every time. Um, we also see that, you know, Keely's not working at Richmond anymore, right? You know, she's doing her own PR firm and it's like, how's that going to go over? Austin, I know, loves Zava. We get him introduced, I think, in episode two. So like, I mean, the start of the season, there's tons of like really interesting shit going on. So, I mean, it definitely like picked up pretty quick for me. I'm surprised that people were like, eh, I don't love the start of this. You mentioned Keela there. Let's dive into her story because this is the one part of me this season where I thought it was comical how uninteresting the stuff they had Keely do in this season was. I thought her relationship, the way it crashed and burned with Jack, at first it was really interesting and then it just became predictable. And then just like the will they, won't they with Roy and Jamie, just it felt really old and kind of like rehash stuff from season one. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that's probably probably the weakest material of this whole season. Man, I don't know. I just that was I was not interested in that. I was every time it cut away from that and went back to Ted and the other and the other guys, I was like more excited. So I just I don't know. It just didn't have a lot of spark to that. It really felt like with season two, they nailed her arc from season one to season two with her kind of becoming more successful. And then in season three, they were like, shit, we've done everything we wanted to with this character. We need more conflict. And so they they just kind of started making up conflict that didn't feel very important to her character. That's fair. Yeah, I think um, Keely's a great character. Juno Temple does a great job playing that character. And she's incredibly competent, which I love. But she still has that kind of bubbly, fun personality, which I think a lot of us in life are guilty of maybe not associating that type of personality with ultra success. So I like that we got to spend some like solo time with her seeing that, wow, she really is just like, I don't know. She just has a knack for this. Like she she just knows what she's doing. And like seeing her in charge of her own firm was really cool. But I do agree with you. At the end of the day, I was wondering, it's like a lot of characters in this season have an arc that's like 
we got to get them back to Richmond. Like Nate has the same thing. It's like a lot of characters, how they ended season two in varying degrees, like some good, some bad. It's like this season was about, you know, let's focus on them. Let's tell their story, but let's show them how they come back home, so to speak. I think with Nate, it worked really well. And I like loved actually a lot of the Keeley stuff. But whenever it came around to, oh, no, this relationship I got in with this person that isn't who I thought they were, that's going to ruin things. So now I'll go back to Richmond. It's like, it's not bad. I mean, she definitely earned her place at Richmond, but I don't know. It, it was a bit more clunky than some of the other storylines. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It's not the best one, but I just I like that we got to spend some solo time with her. Uh, but I also agree, I think, with what Austin said that. I think the biggest disappointment is just how predictable it got where it's like, oh, okay, I didn't expect this Jack relationship. And that ends like as it should have as we kind of saw things progress. And then it just kind of becomes about, oh, is it going to be Roy and Keeley together again? It's like, okay, some of this is fun. Some of this is weird. And then they throw Jamie back in there. And I completely agree. That's when it was like, oh, this is just season one bullshit again. I didn't mind how it ended up ending where it's like, you're asking me to choose you guys? Fuck you, neither. This is a weird situation. Like, this is definitely done now. I like that. But still, it was like, why are we even presenting it this way? This is just kind of weird. <laughs> and I kind of would have liked to have seen Jamie in a mature relationship this season. Yeah. Because that's like the kind of one thing, that's the one like growth we never really got from that character is he just was either always off doing his own thing, being self-centered, or he was still fixated on Keely in some way, shape, or form. Well, I guess this is probably like a natural transition. Do you guys want to talk about Jamie and Roy more? I know there's like probably more to talk about with like, you know, someone the relationships up with Keely, but like they have like a official, I suppose, buddy buddy relationship this season. Do you guys like that stuff of Roy kind of fully taking Jamie under his wing after some hints in season two and coaching him throughout, like kind of personally and not letting him do anything fun? <laughs> I really loved how they set that up with Zava's involvement of how Jamie was like, I want to be the best. Uh, but then it did kind of feel like as soon as Zava's gone, just Jamie is the best. Like they do kind of get away from the training yeah. and focus more on their personal stuff. I was hoping to get more of the training throughout the whole season. It was fun. It, it was like the classic thing of like these two guys should have always have been friends. Like there's no reason they shouldn't have been. And in a way, it seems like just they let a girl that maybe they both had a crush on get in the way of them, which is yeah. also kind of why it's weird that that, come, that same storyline comes back at the very end of this season. But I love seeing their rapport and they got some really beautiful moments out of it, even though I agree with you guys. Once Zava leaves, it's like they just keep telling us that Roy is still training Jamie, but we don't see a lot of it. But that moment where, like, I think they're in Amsterdam and they're riding bikes together. Dude, him him teaching Roy Kent how to ride a bike was hilarious. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> but then once, the, once he gets it figured out, I think that's when Jamie kind of spills his heart out. But it's not like an emotional scene. Like, he's, like, kind of talking about it nonchalant about, like, the abuse that he's suffered throughout his life. And it's like, fuck. And, like, they kind of form a deeper bond there. It's really great to see. Um, to tie it back to the negative, that's why... There's realistic elements in the finale of like kind of culminating that where Roy is like, I'm going to get back with Keely. And apparently Jamie also wants to do that. And when they're at the bar, I was like, this is actually kind of gross, but also realistic. And I kind of get what they're doing. It's like Roy's like kind of uh, going back to his old ways of like just telling somebody you can't do something. And Jamie's also kind of going back to his old ways of like. What are you doing? I think the second Roy told him he couldn't do it, he took Jamie took that as like, this is guys trying to be a father figure. I don't like father figures. I'm going to say something gross. 
And then they kind of went down that weird path of Jimmy being like, well, you remember that leaked video? That was all for me. And it's like, ew, you're disgusting. Yeah. That's where it got gross. It got gross, but it's like, I don't know. It was a weird feeling because like Jamie, like he uses that stuff as a defense defense mechanism. I think it's because Roy for the first time, like since they become friends is now like trying. I don't know. He's like going back to old Roy. Like you can't do that. Like we're together. Like we're going to be together. It's like you're not, but you're not. Right. So it was gross, but it was weird. So I guess I love their journey. The culmination was a little bit off, but it seems like in that kind of final montage, they're going to. They remain like really great friends. So I, I guess it worked out. The other part where it got gross too is when they go to Keely and say like, we're your only two options. Choose, oh, as if she doesn't have any agency. Yeah, yeah. I do think though there is a way to do that scene and have it feel mature. They could have just left it at Roy Kent says, I'm going to shoot my shot with Keely. I want you to back off. And then Jamie just could have said, no, I'm also interested. And they could have left it there. They yeah. could have been very mature, but they went too deep. It felt like. Yeah. But the episode where they go to Man City and you learn more of Jamie's relationship with his mom, and then when he has the incredible sports moment on the field, was one of my favorite of the season. I thought that was incredible, and I thought it really paid off the coaching and the personal relationship, too. Also love that Jamie's childhood bedroom has posters of Roy Kent and <laughs> Keely. Oh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was really cool. So good. <laughs> I wanted to see what you guys thought of the Colin and Isaac storyline. Now, these are two characters that, like I said at the top, we've seen since season one. And I would say like a decent, like recurring capacity. Isaac, of course, and I think it was in season two, uh, ends up becoming the captain. Um, so they have what the show, you know, kind of like shows off. It's a, it's a pretty close friendship akin to Roy and Jamie. But, you know, there is also a romance element that Colin is a, a closeted, you know, uh, gay man. And there's like a whole episode about Isaac strangely having to kind of come to terms with that. And I thought that was an interesting episode. And I thought they very, um, in a good way, tied in Trent Krim to that storyline. Who We're going to have to talk more about him. So I loved his uh, bigger role in this season. What did you guys think about this? This was a, a big storyline. And this is definitely the season we saw the most of these characters. So did you kind of like their bigger capacity and especially that episode where they kind of uh, uh, went into that issue directly. And I guess also, again, I have no personal knowledge, but I'm, I'm assuming there is kind of when it comes to that kind of masculine machismo element, maybe there are people that struggle to kind of come out in those settings. I mean, I think they showed Colin like kind of playing along with that stuff too, before he eventually came out. So what do you guys think of all that stuff? Yeah, I really liked how Trent got involved with this and was kind of a mentor to Colin. That was one of my favorite kind of minor relationships this season. What I liked about the conflict with Colin and Isaac was that it was never about the fact that Colin was gay. It was just about the fact that Isaac was upset that Colin didn't trust him enough and he was upset that he lied to him. And I, I thought that was just like a very sweet, natural thing um, for, for people who have been friends for this long and then also have like a very close friendship like in their work life too. So that's what I liked about it. And then I really loved the resolution, both when they're playing FIFA together and then also at the end of the season... Uh, when Colin's partner gets to run on the field and they have their kiss on the field like he's always wanted. So thought all that was great and very sweet. Ending their conflict with just them like shooting the shit while playing video games was so like funny and so real to me. I love that. <laughs> and it just plays into Isaac's character more than more so than Colin's. Colin's character is awesome. I, lo I love Colin's character on the field and off the field. He's a cool dude. He's like plays along with everything. Um, and then Isaac's character is like the best friend, like always looking out for everybody, but also angry at everybody, everybody at the same time. 
Also, like trying to balance being friends with everybody and being the captain, which I have to imagine is a weird role too. Exactly. So yeah, and I think it felt I think it felt very real too because Colin has a right to come out on his own terms, but then Isaac also has a right to be upset about his best friend lying to him and uh, kind of feeling like Isaac would care about that when. I guess from Isaac's perspective, it felt like Colin should know him well enough to know he wouldn't care. So yeah. I, I thought all that felt very real and natural and it felt like a mm-hmm. conversation that real life friends would have. Definitely. Something else that cracked me up about Isaac was, I don't remember what, what part of the season it was, but I think someone asked Jamie, I think it was maybe Roy or somebody else was like, well, who's your best friend? And Jamie was uh. like, that's easy. It's Isaac. And, he's, and Roy was like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> he was so sad. Roy was pissed that Jamie didn't say him. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of talked about, and I agree with you, Austin. I love that Trent uh, kind of came into a mentor role for Colin, which was like such a sweet little thing. But I do want to talk about him briefly. I mean, we don't have to talk about it too much, but, you know, Trent Krim from The Independent. Uh, from seasons one and two comes into this season. I was hoping he was. I remember being scared at the end of season two whenever he quit his job after I believe he it was that he leaked to Ted that Nate had done some bad things. And that's when uh, he ended up quitting his job because he leaked a source. And didn't he also have to publish the story on Ted Lasso's mental health too? And he quit because of that. Yeah. Uh, with Nate being probably the source on that story. But yeah, I was so glad that pretty much right away this season, he comes in, becomes a diamond dog, obviously, who wouldn't want to be? But he becomes a huge part of this season. He's like constantly in the background. He plays a big role. He kind of mentors some of these uh, players like we talked about. He's writing a book on Ted Lasso and, and, and AFC Richmond the whole time. So what'd you guys think? I mean, there's not like a whole lot to say, I don't think, but I loved his involvement more so than any other season. Do you guys have any highlights with him here? Yeah, I couldn't help but smile once they revealed that he would be having a larger role this season. Once again, it kind of just made sense that this guy who spent his whole life around soccer and is obsessed with it has this crazy American coach that comes in not knowing anything and starts to have success. Of course, he would want to be attached to the team and write a book about this because it would be unprecedented if that happened in real life. So I thought that made total sense. I really enjoyed his relationship with Roy Kent that developed throughout the season, how it was adversarial and then got more closer to like confidant. So I, I, I think he just has such sweet moments with individual people on the team. And it was fun to just kind of watch where he's going to pop up and have some funny one-liners and then also have some pretty meaningful conversations too. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way. He's definitely like the observer of everything, kind of laying the shadows at some points, but then he kind of comes to comes into stuff as they kind of slowly start letting him trusting him more. Yeah, I, I like Trent. I'm glad he did not go away after season two, after quitting the Independent, because I thought, I thought that's what it was, what was happening, you know, was like, oh man, Trent, I guess Trent's gone. Um, his, his hierarchy, or his uh, climax, I guess, was leaking the, the Nate stuff to Ted, but I'm glad that wasn't it. And just the best damn head of hair. I'm glad they commented they on did, it too this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> Let's dive into Sam, because I, I think this is another thing they kind of botched towards the end. Maybe yep. not botched, they just kind of forgot they about forgot him. about it, yeah. My favorite thing about Sam is with season one, they really relied on Jason Sudeikis carrying the comedy. And then season two, they let some of the side characters like become more comfortable, giving more time to characters like Sam. And I, I like how in this season, Sam and the rest of the team like really lean into the comedic aspects of their characters. And every time they do stuff in the locker room, like we talked about, it's so much fun. I was super interested in his side story with the restaurant, with trying to find how he wants to play a political role with being a famous soccer player, his conflict of, uh, with the Nigerian guy. All that I thought was so fascinating. And then it's just like not in the second half of the season. 
Yeah, none of it was bad. I, I, I agree. It's just they seem to forget about it because that was such seemingly at least a huge side story in the first half of the season, kind of culminating with Sam's dad coming to visit. And some of the conversations he had with his dad, I thought were super sweet and kind of a tear. That episode was awesome. And I love watching his dad get to meet Ted Lasso, too. Oh, yeah. So good. But then there's just not really much of any of that in the second half. And I get it. It's a huge ensemble cast. You want to showcase other characters, too. So it makes sense. But I guess really my only complaint, it's kind of a weird one, is just that we got all this great stuff with Sam and the restaurant, his his but maybe potential relationship with... um. His coworker at the restaurant, um, and like we said, his dad. But then, you know, when the finale rolls around, they're kind of like rolling a montage at the end to show like where all the characters are at, and then it just does like a quick little shot of Sam now on the Nigerian team. Yeah, and that was like, strange. And I know that's a huge moment for him. So, like, as a fan of his character, I'm glad he got that. It's just weird that he was such a focus in the first half. We talked about these things, and then like a whole another half of a season goes on. It's basically not referenced much aside from Sam going, all right, guys, everybody after the game, we're going to my place. We're going to the restaurant to hang out, like free booze, all that jazz. And then it just very quickly at the end is like, oh, we, I guess he got what he wanted. It's just like, oh, I feel like he could have paced that storyline quite a bit better. Yeah, we just never got to see the resolution with Akufu and how he got to be on the yeah, team. Like, what did strange. he do? Yeah. What did he do to get on the team? And I also thought it was very weird that I'm pretty sure Sam and Rebecca don't have a conversation at all this season with yeah. their characters. <laughs> Very weird. They just keep like side eyeing and like looking longingly at each other, but they, I don't think they talk at all in season three. Yeah, I don't think so. I was kind of wondering that too towards the end of season three. I was like, does Sam and Rebecca have a conversation at all or do they talk at all? So maybe no. they did a if little so, bit. like once, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very odd. I, I kind of get why from. Rebecca's side this season that she wouldn't try to rekindle things because she just watched Rupert have a relationship with someone on his staff and that uh, like obviously it was more predatorily but she still is in a position of power over Sam so it definitely would look bad for her character if it got out that she was having a relationship with one of the players right and she wasn't cheating on anybody either in Rupert's case so very different but I, I hear what you're saying yeah kind of a an, an interesting aspect it, maybe it's one of those things where maybe the majority of people didn't respond positively to Sam and Rebecca's relationship in season two so they were like, okay, let's take a step back. I remember not minding it, but again, it was a while ago, so I don't remember. I thought it was a sweet relationship. I just thought the power dynamics yeah. were weird of which the is relationship. True. Which is true. Um, kind of speaking of that, very quick thing to bring up because, again, it's weird. It's like we talked about how much we like the season, and it sounds like we like a lot of these storylines. We just have like some nitpicks here and there along the way. But speaking of Rebecca and like you know talking about love stories, what did you guys think of you know her? Her little side story in Amsterdam going off and falling off a bridge, right? Was that it? <laughs> and then yeah. getting picked up by this, I think a guy that is credited as the stranger who then like takes care of her for a night. I think we have like a night of passion and romance. And then, you know, Rebecca keeps talking about how fate, you know, has nothing to do. Like she talks to that one, like, what's the word? Um, psychic? Yeah. She talks to a psychic and she's like, maybe this will change things. And she's like, no, this is fucking stupid. But then in the finale, her last moment, she hugs Ted, says goodbye, walks outside. And who does she run into? She runs into that guy. Um, did you, I mean, what did you guys think of that stuff? I mean, did you like kind of like the solo Rebecca stuff, the same way we talked about some of the solo Keely stuff this season? I thought all this stuff was great. The only thing I thought was weird with Rebecca was just the fact that she never has any resolution with Sam. But I loved the Dutch storyline. Thought that was awesome. I enjoyed her kind of side adventure in Amsterdam. 
And I really like the reveal of running into this guy and discovering he's a pilot. And that's how they're kind of going to get reconnected. Rebecca's also planning to do some traveling. So maybe she's going to go off on a nice little airplane adventure with this nice little Dutch pilot. So I'm rooting for Rebecca. I, I like this resolution. Yeah, me too. Because she's kind of had like a struggle throughout the whole series with romance and like seeing her ex-husband Rupert just be like a total pig <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing with Sam, I didn't mind that it wasn't that wasn't resolved really to me. It just kind of felt like for them, it was like a quick fling that was fun. And so they were just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess it, it, it ran its course. So that's it. And then, yeah, going into the the thing with the pilot guy. So, yeah, I thought that was perfect for her. You know, have like a quick, like something we can maybe imagine her doing, you know, if this life had continued for her in, in another season. Um, I think it would have been, it would have been cool. And something else I think that has gone a little underrated with Rebecca's character is her arc and journey to having a understanding of the passion of the fans of AFC Richmond because in season one she's doing this despite Rupert in season two she grows to have a respect for Ted and just wants to beat Rupert but I really love this the episode in season three where she meets with all of the other owners and kind of is the voice of the fans in that meeting and says what are you doing this is a game you all love and you're just you didn't get lost in greed and I, I really enjoyed how she the comment where it's this is just the fans team but we're renting it i think when ted says that line rebecca buys into that and i'd like the kind of growing relationship she gets to have with the afc richmond fans and another really underrated i think thing when it comes to appreciation in regards to the season is man jason sudeikis and hannah waddingham have incredible chemistry and it feels very friendly could they have done something trite along the way of like oh they have a fling I guess so. I was so. reading they considered it, but never went down that yeah, path. Yeah, exactly. Like, it totally agrees that they probably considered it, but I'm glad they didn't. They just had the most incredible chemistry as friends. Um, watching how everything Austin just said about her appreciation for the fans and this being less now about beating Rupert pays off maybe the best out of anything by the end of the series. Like the final conversations that she has with Ted about wanting him to stay, but understanding he can't, uh, having their final goodbye. And then, you know, they're kind of like the really emotional line where she's like, if you go, I go. But then ultimately, based on how the final match goes and she kind of sees, you know, how much this, um, you know, club and team means to people, she decides to only sell half of her shares so that she can stay on as the owner of the club. But, you know, the other half of the shares she gives to the fans. She basically gives like 1% of shares, which I did the math earlier. <laughs> 1% of the current like 2 billion evaluation, she's giving 20 million pounds to like 50 people, including those fun doofuses in May's water <laughs> and then May herself. But I thought that was so beautiful. What an incredible close, you know, for that character. Like she ends up deciding, you know, Ted's leaving, but I'm going to stay on because this isn't about Rupert anymore. He kind of dug his own grave. I have love for this team. I'm going to stay on, but I want the other half of like the supporters to be the fans themselves. Like how, I mean, that was just amazing, I thought. And there is real life precedent for that too. Um, that's how the Green Bay Packers are run. They're run by the city of Green Bay, oh. um, but the fans do have a controlling interest in the team. So nice. um, they clearly, you know, took some real life inspiration for that too. Yeah. I just like how she kind of, yeah, she got away from the whole Rupert spite thing and became her own, her own businesswoman. And saw it from a logical standpoint more than like a revenge standpoint. Mm -hmm. I also did really love the resolution with Rupert's character where he gets uh, wankered off the field by <laughs> his own boyhood club. Just like such a way to burn the guy. Loved it. 
Well, that's the thing. I thought they did a super admirable job of giving Rebecca closure without not making Rupert the villain, if that makes sense. Like, I thought it was a super powerful scene in that same scene you guys referenced when, like, they're talking to those um, owners and Rupert's there, too. And she kind of tells the story of how much this means to her by kind of like, you guys, you guys are all talking business. Like, why aren't we talking about the love for the game? And she kind of uh, talks about how she fell in love with Rupert in the first place. And you kind of wonder that throughout the show. It's like, this guy's a fucking dick. Um, but she talks about like how much AFC Richmond meant to this young boy that she met that kind of came from nothing. And of course, it ends up being Rupert. So like, you totally understand their story. They don't rekindle anything after that. But it is kind of a nice resolution. She totally got closure from that moment. But then after that, like, he's still the villain, right? Like, <laughs> they, they don't, like, disregard that because Rebecca now has closure with him, which I, I thought was kind of cool. That's kind of different than you see a lot of things handled. Yeah, he doesn't have a random change of heart after one conversation because yeah. that would never happen in real life. Kind of speaking of, like, character turns, <laughs> one of my favorites in the season talking about characters that maybe. We didn't know the full extent of or their backstories or that kind of thing that then, in this case, in a positive way, kind of come to fruition and end up forgiving somebody. I thought another one of the best moments of the show ties back into Nate's redemption where uh, Ted kind of like, again, like pushes back on Beard a little bit and is like, you know, look at this kid. He shows in the video of like Nate hiding under the, like, the desk all day. So funny. It, it's so funny, <laughs> but it's so sad, too. And that's kind of the thing that inspires a Beard to go to Nate's home. And and the reveal that Beard is a meth head. Yeah, tell him his past. That, like, he was at the lowest point he'd ever been at, like prison, addiction, all that. But Ted, his best friend, offered him a job and saved his life. And he's like, I want to do the same for you. I forgive you. The show still has, like, some of the best moments, like, you can, ex- like, hope for on TV. In, like, a traditional comedy. I mean, what an amazing moment. I love that. Yeah, that moment was awesome. I also did love the line earlier in the season when Ted's considering bringing Nate back and Beer goes, I will burn this fucking place to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that the team asked Nate to come back before Ted did. Yeah. Because at yeah. this point, it kind of is the team's team, the player's team. So I, I like that they came to that decision on their own and then Ted got involved. And I know it's like a small, simple thing. Um, we've kind of seen this echoed in the past seasons, but. I love the moment at the very end during the final match where they're like, this is, we just got a free kick. This is our moment. This is our one chance to win the game. Should we do like whatever, whatever it's called, like the lasso way at the lasso plan or whatever? Oh no, we should do this thing. And like Beard's like, no, we should do this thing. We should do this thing. And then um, Ted like calls up Nate and they end up doing a play that Nate kind of, uh, you know, brought to the table whenever he was part of Richmond. The false nine or something like that. Something like that. And that's of course the play that ends up winning it. I mean, it's small, it's simple. Is it predictable? Obviously, but it hit hard. It was great. <laughs> and you have the repeat of the moment where Nate jumps into Ted's lap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While they're standing. <laughs> so good. We haven't talked about Ted a whole lot. But Which is interesting, right? Kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. But let's dive into the finale specifically. Um, it's heavily Ted-focused, I would say, on kind of the resolution yeah. part of the finale. So. I know we've all talked about how we enjoyed the finale. Um, for me, I think they left it in a place that makes sense. I think it makes sense he would be back home coaching his son's soccer team because he never really cared about the big teams or anything like that. He just wanted to make an influence on people's lives. So this made perfect sense for me. What did you guys think of this wrap-up? Yeah, no, I thought it was a perfect wrap-up because you, you could tell throughout the whole series, especially in this last season, that 
being far away from his son was definitely weighing in on him and it was getting worse and worse as time went on. When his mom told him that your son misses you and he like broke down a little bit, man, I broke down with my boy Ted at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. So you could just tell it was, I'm glad you're here, but fuck you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you're doing a cool thing over here and people appreciate you. And I know it's a job, but same time, like your kid's kind of taking the brunt for it and you're taking the brunt for it too. Like you're, you're sacrificing a lot of your own mental well-being and, and personal well-being uh, by being here and doing this. So it's like, you do, you've done what you can do. It's time to go home. So yeah, I thought it was a perfect wrap-up. Yeah, I thought this season really hit that home in such a great way. Because like you kind of get the idea in season one that the reason Ted leaves the U.S. to go do this crazy, <laughs> go for this crazy job opportunity is because... He was recently divorced or about to be. I know, I guess at that point he hadn't signed the papers, but it was over. So I think in his mind, he was like, well, I have nothing left. Of course, I have a son, but he's young, so I can go overseas and I'll do this. And then, you know, he can visit or I'll go back. Not to say that he didn't love his son, because of course he did. But I think as time has gone on, he's realized I may still be divorced. And I don't have that same connection, which was probably the reason I left in the first place to kind of run away. But now my son's getting older and I'm missing a whole lot. So like, yeah, of course, the idea of him going back at the end while his son is still at that very formative age, I thought made total sense and was a very, I thought, beautiful and powerful ending. I think they left room too for things to be rekindled with Ted and his wife because they do kind of show the clips of um, the stepfather or the new partner not really being invested in the game like the kid is. And also... While Ted's been away this whole time, he's been doing a lot of work on himself. And they kind of tease that's one of the reasons that they they maybe broke apart was because Ted didn't believe in therapy and didn't believe in self-care. So now Ted has come back and is maybe in a better mental state. So I think they left the door open enough that you could make a case that maybe there's a chance they get back together. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah, they might get back. So That's what I thought, too. I think that's what they were presenting. But for some reason, there was something about that that didn't work for me. I don't know how it could have been better. Like if he had had more scenes with Michelle throughout this season or the series, but there was something just weird about it. It's like, clearly, you know, we're broken apart. We talk occasionally, we text occasionally. And then very early in the season, he finds out, oh, there's a new man in her life. And obviously because of that, that man is around my son a lot of the time. And then they never show that he's a dick. Is it weird that like, he was like the family doctor or whatever it was. And now he's like, like he knows Ted and is with his ex-wife. Yeah, that was weird. But then the finale just happens and he's just a complete like douchebag during this incredible, like important game that like, you know, his partner and his potentially future like stepson are like they care about. And he's just like drinking and texting and not even like watching. Um, So I don't know. There was like something missing where I was like, am I supposed to believe they're getting back together? I don't know. Or maybe he's just going to be present for his son. I guess either way it works. But there was something about that, like with his ex-wife that I was like, I don't know. Maybe I could have used a bit more. I'm not sure. I kind of like that they left it for interpretation because I think you I think you can get out of it what you want. Like, I think you could very easily believe that they won't get back together uh, if that's not what you want for Ted. But I think if you want that for Ted, you can pretty easily look at some stuff and be like, yeah, I think they could get back together. Honestly, Austin, the real issue is he couldn't make it work with Sassy, my girl. She was kind of absent this season. I was hoping maybe they would lead into her relationship. I know know she called out after like the last time they had sex. She was like, doesn't Ted like ask her on a date? And she's like, honestly, Ted, you're a mess. I'm a mess. Let's just keep it friends with benefits. And I was like, no, 
No, <laughs> you got to figure it out. <laughs> I like how she says he's more of a mess too. She's yeah. like, you're a mess. I'm a mess. You're more of a mess. So yeah. uh, let's not do that. I wonder if they considered uh, an ending of the season where Ted decides to stay in London and make it work with Sassy. We can only dream. Sassy Smurf, baby. We can only dream. Well, and that was kind of a cool like scene too. Whenever Rebecca like she's like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna give it a shot, and she's like, you can stay, you can you can bring uh, whatever his son's name over here. He can come to school. Yeah, he can bring Henry over here, and he can go to school here, and and same with your ex wife. She can come move over I'll here. I'll make you the richest coach. Ted clearly has more character than I do because I would have said yes before she finished talking. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna pay me how much? <laughs> Whenever Rebecca says you can bring Henry over here, Austin's like, who? <laughs> You're paying me $2 million a year? Okay. I'll find Michael. Oh, I mean Henry in every week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, before we close out, there's some really like weird and interesting shit going on with this show that I wanted to get into real quick. So I think it's worth noting that it is still somewhat unclear if this is the final season. I know that sounds weird, but um, none of the cast or creators would actually confirm or deny before the premiere of this season if this was indeed the end. And so as it has gone on, Sudeikis has indicated that he always planned on this being a three season long story ever since the beginning and that this would end up closing Ted's arc. Um, however, the rest of the cast have hinted that, you know, despite, you know, their love for Sudeikis and understanding what he was saying, that they would like to continue playing these characters if the opportunity came up. So Apple TV Plus did something that a lot of people have been talking about, which is they did not label the final episode that, you know, we talked about a little bit here as the series finale. Um, and that's typically something done on series finales. Whenever you know going in, they'll label it as such. They did not do that for this. I also noticed on social media, there have been hints from like the official uh, sources. Like, uh, for example, I saw a picture of the new Richmond coaching lineup, of course, with our boy Roy Kent as the head coach. You got Coach Beard in there as the assistant and Nate kind of with a full redemption arc. He is back on the coaching team as well. Uh, so they had the picture of that from the finale and they commented on, wow, these guys look pretty good together, huh? Just like, okay. So it could be possible that this is the end of Ted Lasso's story, but Apple TV Plus could potentially rebrand the show to something like AFC Richmond, just as a random example, and kind of continue going forward in future seasons to showcase the stories of everybody else. That's just speculation at this point, but it seems like there is enough like hints on social media, other actors and creators outside of Jason Sudeikis, like talking in interviews and shit like that. There's enough there, I think. And I'm curious, is that something that you guys would hope for or be interested in? Yeah, well, first of all, super happy Roy ended up as coach. Also thought that made sense for his character. In regards to a spinoff or anything like that, I don't really want to see a, a Ted Lasso show without Ted Lasso. I think Sudeikis is what makes this show. I think he brings just the heart and the darkness. And he's just he's nailed this character as one of like the defining characters of his career, I think, so far. I was actually thinking with him coming back to America, like while the show was wrapping up, I was like, I wonder if they would ever consider putting him in charge of an NFL team and doing an American football storyline with this kind of same premise. I would love to see a continued Ted Lasso story, maybe with a different team or a different sport. I think there's ways to do that. I, don't, I just don't know what they would do with just focusing on AFC Richmond without Ted Lasso, because the only thing they can really do is maybe focusing on them in the Champions League and challenging to win the Premier League again, but we've kind of already seen that. Yeah, I don't know how they would do this. I mean, the title of the show is Ted Lasso, so it's like, okay, you take the take Ted Lasso's character out of it. 
you still going to call it Ted Lasso? Or are you going to do, a, like you said, a spinoff where they have a completely different title? As much as I'd love to see those characters, especially Roy and Nate and Beard again, does it fit without Ted Lasso? And are you keep if you're keeping it within the same universe or, I mean, story? Um, yeah. How, how would that play out? I don't know. I mean, I love the characters, but I just don't know what they would do. It feels like they wrapped everything up in like a really cool way uh, with this last episode and this last season. So um, not saying they couldn't do anything cool with it, but like you said, if Ted's not there, then what are they going to do with his character? Are they going to bring him back? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I can actually kind of see it. I think this season in particular kind of showcased that, yes, Ted Lasso is still the titular character. We're going to see a lot of him. We'll have a main arc for him. But look at all these other great characters that you've loved since season one. We can do a lot of really great stuff with them, too. Um, you've loved them for just as long as well. So honestly, the idea of like kind of like a Richmond-themed show with literally every other cast member, just maybe not Jason Sudeikis, I could kind of see it. Would it retread some similar ground, like Austin said? Yeah, and maybe that's where they would have to consider how to handle it. But honestly, it, we got the close to Ted Lasso's story. Jason Sudeikis probably doesn't want to be on the writing or like producing team anymore, but you already have like great talent there. You have Bill Lawrence of Scrubs and Cougar Town fam, who I love. You have Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard. You have Joe Kelly. You have Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, who has always been like a big, like consistent writer on the show. I could see them doing something kind of cool with a more ensemble focused product. Um, like, would I be upset if I never see that? No, I don't think so. But I would also definitely watch it. And yeah, maybe a couple seasons in, you throw in a quick like Ted Lasso, like one episode cameo or something if Jason Sudeikis feels up to coming back just for like a visit to London or something. I don't know. Um, I think I'm kind of into the idea. I could I could kind of see it working. You have so much talent in front of the screen and behind the screen that, you know, is not just Jason Sudeikis. I know the show's Ted Lasso, but there's a lot of other stuff they could do, I think. Yeah, I mean, the second they announce it and give it a premiere date, I'll throw my principles right out the window and watch the show. So I'll still be excited for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess more, we're more just confused of how they would do it. I think a spinoff, I would just approach with more curiosity. Like, how is this going to work? But the second they prove to me it can work, I'll, I'll be super into it. Yeah. And these days, I mean, like, they're just doing so many uh, spinoff shows and having so many different universes, like Ye like the Yellowstone show has now like three series that are spinoffs of it now. So... It's definitely impossible to have a Ted Lasso universe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe Harrison Ford will join the Ted Lasso universe. Maybe he's the new coach. Mark it down, everybody. <laughs> he's an eight-year-old coach. Honestly, Harrison Ford could play an older Roy Kent. And he won't do a British accent. He won't do a British accent. You just have to like believe it for some reason. Ugh, tart. Let's all. Tart. Let's all. <laughs> All right, guys, before we close out here, we, of course, have to do our Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we take something positive, negative, or something in between of the thing that we just talked about that we feel deserves a specific award. So, Austin and Keith, what are you guys awarding today? Yeah, I will be giving um, an award very near and dear to my heart. It is the Subtitles Award, and it's going to our dear boy, Jamie Tard. Uh, this guy's accent got so insane by the end of the season. I had subtitles on for this show specifically and only for his character. <laughs> I love it. Jamie Todd. Looking lovely. <laughs> Sometimes I had to rewind to be like, what did he just say? Because I could not understand him. I'm going to give the goofiest character award. And this goes to a character that we really touched on in this whole podcast. And that goes to my boy, Leslie Higgins. 
played Ooh. by Jeremy Swift. Love him. Love every moment he's in in this entire show. So, uh, especially the part in this last season whenever he does not move his neck when he's watching the whole game. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and Rebecca's moving his head for him. <laughs> I was really wondering if Rebecca was going to sell him the team. Mm, yeah, I thought about show. that too. Yeah, he's great. I love him and everything. God, he's just the best. He's he's one of the best Diamond Dog members we'll ever have. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a simple sure. fact. Um, Matt, were you happy that Van Damme rebranded himself as Zorro? That ties into my award. I'm not joking. Not joking. <laughs> Literally my award. Um, as Keith can obviously relate, there's an award I've never given, but I've always wanted to. And it goes to the award for a bigger Mask of Zorro fan than me or Keith. And it goes to Van Damme, who gets a really badass mask from Danny Rojas. Another character we didn't talk about a lot. Always a joy to see. Uh, and he gives him a goalie mask. That is just sleek and black and looks fucking awesome. And he rebrands as Zorro. All I could think about is my boy, Antonio Banderas and Anthony Hopkins, even though he's a white guy playing a Spaniard, just slashing through some fools, having a good time doing some flips, riding horses. I was like, ah, I got to watch Mask of Zorro. And I know my guy, Van Damme, is a big fan of that movie. I can't believe we've actually dedicated a full episode of this show to the Mask of Zorro. <laughs> Not me. Great movie. Great movie. I know we all agree. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcasts truly really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for an episode I am super excited about. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is coming out at the end of this month, so next week we are going to do a retrospective and review on the previous four films. What is our history with them? How have our opinions maybe changed or stayed the same with each entry as time has gone on? And which are our favorites? We're going to dive into all of it next week. Can't wait. And last week, uh, we checked back in on the Spider-Verse with our boy Miles Morales. If you want to hear our thoughts on Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, be sure to go check that episode out. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What do you think of Ted Lasso? Do you want to see more of the AFC Richmond characters? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live in our latest episode. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. And if Ted Lasso, if this is the last time we ever see him, let's do a quick RIP to our boy, Barbecue Sauce. Football is life. It's just Papa. <laughs> <laughs>